Welcome to episode 38 of the Avatar Hour podcast, your ultimate companion podcast to the world of Avatar. I'm Kayla. And I'm Andre. And this week we'll be recapping episodes 211, The Deserts, and 212, Severance Pass, from season two of Avatar, The Last Airbender. Now, before we start, we do want to warn you that this podcast will be mentioning spoilers for Avatar, The Last Airbender, The Legend of Korra, and The Rise of Kyoshi. However, you are free from spoilers about The Shadow Kyoshi, as well as just about any of the Avatar universe comic books, with the exception of Katara and the Pirate Silver. <laughs> Not that we're going to talk about that too much, but just putting that in there. Um, anyway, Andre, how are we doing this week? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good, all things considered. Yeah, I'm splitting my time between working at um, daycare and just doing music stuff. And let me tell you, I don't enjoy kids very much when I work there. <laughs> That's me when I coach. I'm going to be coaching four days a week, and that's basically like two-hour daycare, so I get you. <laughs> yeah, I just kind of tell myself anytime I have that moment of like, I think I could have a kid. I was like, just wait till you go do a shift at the daycare. And I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> good thing I've had some good kids in the last, like, you know, year that I've been working coaching. I mean, I've been coaching since I was a freshman, but this year's probably been some of the best batch of kids I've had. But still, like, the, you know, after to, after working with them for a bit, they can get a little, I don't know how they much have so much energy. I don't know how they do that. I don't. It's not even that they're like <laughs> bad behaved mm -hmm. necessarily. It's just like sometimes the energy and the noise. That's why. Yeah. I've noticed this about myself. I get really anxious when there's a lot of people talking at the same time. And that's all daycare is because I am also with slightly older kids. They're kind of like 9, 10, 11, 12. So they're really developing those social skills. And I'm, and like good for them. But also my brain is just like it needs to step out every couple of hours to just kind of like okay like calm Decompress. down like it's fine like <laughs> yeah yeah but how are oh, you man. how are you doing i'm great um as of today i am finished with undergrad at wvu so i will be graduating in a few weeks thank you i survived somehow um and then literally two days after i graduate i start grad school so <laughs> so so that's right break i get from school but hey I'm, I'm trying to blitz through grad school so you know work and i also heard that you got a, a second dose of your vaccine I is did. that correct I got How it the, did you Thursday. get any side effects no like maybe just a little bit tired really i thought i was i was straight up like i had like i had signed out the entire day thursday and friday in case i got sick or anything from the mm -hmm. side effects but literally all i did felt was just tired after uh, on you know like after getting it that's it didn't feel sick interesting or yeah i was surprised i was like bracing myself for it i took, had my tylenol ready and everything and nothing uh, happened kayla so. the bionic woman yeah <laughs> good for you it's probably all that swimming yeah i don't know interesting <laughs> yeah i didn't i i had the the worst that i had was i felt very tired and i had a headache for the whole day um but that was pretty much it but i know some people it's really a spectrum like some people just don't get anything at all and then mm -hmm. some people are are like down for the count for like two or three days so yeah it really just depends either way it even if i had the side effects i definitely would still be extremely happy to have the vaccine still worth you it. know get yeah. your fucking vaccine if you haven't already Please. you know i think i think pfizer is 16 and older now so there's any like you know 16 year olds that haven't gotten vaccinated you know trying to make sure that you get that happening Mm -hmm. uh 
you know, just get vaccinated, y'all. This is only, it's like the best way to get out of this nightmare we've been living in for the last year and a half. So, well, I don't, I don't know if you've realized this, Kayla, but now that yeah. we're both fully vaccinated, maybe a live podcast is in the works. Maybe an in person podcast is I in the works. I would love that. We maybe gotta, we, gotta, we gotta get, we gotta get on planning. I get done with my first, like, with, my, with my classes in July. So, okay. Weird, because I think that's when we come back for season three. Hmm, hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Anyway, so <laughs> running away from that, let's get into the news. So Funko actually released some new Avatar The Last Airbender bobbleheads available for pre-order now on their website. Uh, the new figures include Fire Lord Ozai, Suki, who I thought was Kiyoshi until Kiola. Uh, Kiola? <laughs> yes, that's my name. Absolutely. Never, <laughs> never been called that before. I've been t- called Taylor. I've been called Kala. I have never Kila, and I am fascinated. I, no, I said Kiola. Kiola. I didn't hear well, that either. Kia- <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so Suki, um, two Admiral Zhao's or Admiral Douchebag. One of them is an is an Amazon exclusive, so you can only get it from Amazon. But they pretty much look the same. Was it like Spirit World Zhao after he's been taken by Koizilla? Like, well, one I mean, of, yeah, hey. one of the Zhao's is holding like the bag with the fish. I'm, like, I'm just wondering, like, what? Why fan... would you want to re? Why would you want to relive that moment? Yeah. yeah, if you're not a completionist, I don't know why you would want to get one for Zhao. Why would you want to relive that traumatizing moment there? You know, I don't know. Weird. Um, but yeah, there's some other ones. Ty Lee. Um, we also have one with Aang in the Avatar state in the series finale with all the elements around him. Uh, the Blue Spirit, May, and two different Aangs, one of which is a special edition metallic Funko Pop doll, so that's really cool. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much the whole batch. Mm. I'm just glad Suki's getting some recognition, though, with merch. Mm-hmm. You know, like after watching like the, one of the, you know, the Serpent's Past episode, I'm like, damn, Suki's amazing. I really like her. I'm glad she's getting some love, you know, her, she's getting her own comic book, her own Funko Pop, you know. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think the comic book kind of like spurred on also including her in this new batch of Funko Pop dolls. Maybe that's I, that's just what I think happened. But yeah, I really want the Blue Spirit one because, again, it's probably my favorite episode of, of season one. It's probably my favorite episode. Um, and I'd love to just get another. I, I mean, I don't have any Avatar Funko Pop dolls, which needs to change. Neither do I. Now I don't have a lot of yeah. Avatar merch. My boyfriend got me an Avatar shirt that I was supposed to wear today, but I forgot at my dad's house. But oh, I just came yeah. up with the TikTok idea just now with like the you know like the yeah I don't really do much, but you're a <laughs> garden fairy. The, you know, ironic, isn't it? They had that where it was like, you know, I, yeah, I don't have any Avatar merch, but you co-host an Avatar <laughs> podcast. Exactly. I'm going to write that down so I don't forget. <laughs> write it down, write it down. <laughs> write it down, write it down. <laughs> Let's also point out that um, yeah. Kayla procured this piece of news before I did. Oh my God, that does not happen very often. does not happen clearly. a lot. So I was like, work. And then I was scrolling through these and I was like, where are the Legend of Korra dolls, though? Seriously, I it's got to be happening, right? If they're still making Avatar: Last Airbender dolls, like they have to be thinking of some Legend of Korra ones, right? I mean, I want a Legend of Korra Funko Pop. Like, I mean, maybe I'd want one of the Ang Funkos or Suki, but like, I really want a Korra Funko Pop. Does that not exist yet? And there, there's so many characters in Legend of Korra that could exactly. get all of the villains can get their own Funko yeah. Pop doll, like. Kai can get one, Janora, all the all these ancillary characters, like they're perfect for the Funko Pop doll treatment. I don't know. It's weird. Hmm. 
Hmm. And also there's a lounge fly backpack as well for Avatar that just dropped today. Like I saw a picture of it. That's right. That's right. The, yes. You know, the expensive but very pretty lounge very fly pretty bag. It. Avatar has their own now. Yes. Yes. Well, cool. So yeah, like I said, those dolls are, are available for pre-order now on the Funko uh, website. Not sponsored, we wish. Um, but oh, yeah, definitely wish. check those out. Um, the second piece of news, I, is, I wanted to talk about this because I realized this kind of as I was watching it. So this past weekend, I guess when you're listening to this last weekend, um, Netflix dropped their new series Shadow and Bone um, based on a book series. And I was watching it and I was like, mm, interesting. Because um, the magic system in the show is people manipulating elements. So they got people who can generate fire, generate wind, generate water. And I'm just like, hmm, interesting. Hmm. And I was just like, I, all the reason I thought it was interesting is just like, is Netflix kind of showing us that like, yeah, we can actually do those visual effects to like kind of like subconsciously like satiate our extreme hesitation with their avatar series show. I know it sounds a little tin foiled in the tin hat, but we've been hearing more about the, the Grisha verse, which is the, you know, the universe that shadow and bone takes place in like that. There's been news about that series for a few years now. So like, I mean, I wonder how many steps ahead in this chess game of, you know, Hollywood and capitalism. Netflix yeah. has been, uh, but you know, there's 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 some there's some connections there's you you did you didn't very faintly connect the two dots perhaps i'm not trying to give it too much credit here because it is a little tinfoil hatty but you know i i get you there <laughs> yeah again right before we start our our uh recap we have a patreon shout out this week we wanted to give a special shout out to our new patron ethan hey ethan he is a new patron at the metal bender level at our patreon along with this special shout out Ethan will also receive a personalized thank you video from one of us, as well as access to the podcast monthly schedule. And if you would like to get in on these benefits, you can pledge with us at patreon.com slash the avatar hour podcast. We offer this and a lot more at our higher Patreon level. So definitely go check that out if you are interested and want some more avatar hour in your life. And with that, let's transition into our first episode 211, the desert. So this episode opens Right after the gang narrowly escapes the library with their lives, uh, Appa has been taken by the Sandbenders, and rightfully so. Everyone is upset and scared, but no one more than Aang, I think, honestly. with He's like, remember, he's basically kind of lost his last tie to his culture, not mm -hmm. just his best friend, not just his ride, you know. So keep that in mind. But he basically goes ballistic on Toph for, you know, letting Appa get taken away. But I'm like, I, I, get, I get where he's coming from. At the same time, I was thinking to myself, like, my dude. Top is the only reason you're alive right now. Yeah. Um. But again, I can understand his emotional state. But just had to point that out. Yeah, I believe is I believe uh, on our Star Wars podcast, uh, our go our guest from Bending Not Breaking Sunshine pointed out that the scene of Aang like very unreasonably going off on Toph is is never kind of brought up in the pantheon of arguments of female characters kind of going off on other characters. And I just, that's what I was thinking during this. Cause I was like, obviously he's coming at it from a place of a, like extreme, like loss and emotion. And I'm just like, I just wonder why we don't give female characters the benefit of the doubt as it were. Mm -hmm. So just something to think about. No, exactly. Exactly. But Toph then tries to explain the situation that they were in with the Sandbenders. And then Aang accuses Toph of not caring about Appa. Katara then tries to break up the fight and points out that Toph did the best she could. And she did. 
Uh, Sokka then points out that they're basically stranded in the desert right now, which pisses Aang off because he thinks they're all being selfish for not being more worried about Appa. Katara again tries to defuse the situation, you know, pointing out that, like, you know, we're just trying to get out alive first, you know. That's the whole point of this episode, just get through this alive. Um, and Aang just then flies off in his glider in search of Appa. Uh, cut to Iroh and Zuko, who are riding on the ostrich ho- ho- hoist. Hoist? hoist. <laughs> uh iroh pretends to be in pain in order to get Izuka to stop for a break which you know i may or may not have pulled down on a road trip it's like they're not being in pain going to go pee like, right yeah just to get away from my siblings for a few seconds love you guys anyway um as soon as they stop to rest the rough rhinos then surround them and iroh just being super friendly to them because he knows full well even though you know you know you know that he knows full well they're not here for some tea right um and then he just reestablishes, reestablishes himself as a bamf, you know, and the two escape on their ostrich horse, you know, just casual, casual Thursday for Zuko and Iroh. Um, as they're riding away, Iroh says, it's nice to see old friends. And Zuko's like, too bad you don't have any friends that, you don't, have, that don't want to attack you. And then that gives, you know, the light bulb goes off in Iroh's head and they head off to their next destination. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like this just from a writing perspective only because... Um very common for cartoons to kind of open up and be like all right we're doing this thing now so like it could have started with zuka and iroh being like going to we see need the white friends. lotus yeah, yeah. We need, for no reason right and yeah avatar does it kind of sometimes sorta but it's always like i'm just pointing out like the in-universe like reasoning and logic that's kind of happening like the way events unfold it just is very logical and mm-hmm. exactly how you would expect the characters to react. So, yeah. Also, I want to point out that the Rough Rhinos are also a really good singing group. Like, <laughs> yeah, I want to hear that. I want to hear that SoundCloud. Put that, put that, put that as a, put that on the list of shows you want to see for the for the Avatar. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, release the Spotify album. It reminds me of that scene from Black Panther, um, when mm-hmm. like the 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 guy with that doesn't have the arm that stole claw. the vibranium his yeah, claw. Claw. and he comes up with his entourage <laughs> and he's like yeah we have like we have a, a soundcloud give him the link or something like that's what it reminded me of i love that um well back to the gang who are still in the desert they're thirsty and sweaty and cranky me after doing absolutely nothing <laughs> Ugh, me dealing with the heat and then realizing my hot water still hasn't come back on and then after running two miles and trying to bathe myself without freezing you know what's off. Um, yeah. Anyway, so Toph then asks for some water, and Katara water bends some swamp water out of her flask to them. Not swamp water. <laughs> Not the swamp water. That's me when I go to Florida. Like anytime, like if the water just tastes different in Florida, it tastes like swamp water. Like, you know. That's just me drinking tap water at restaurants. I'm just like. So then Sokka then spots a nearby cactus and finds a nice substitute for the swamp water with cactus juice. He cuts off a piece of the cactus and drinks the juice out of it to rehydrate. And then he starts, as the kids say, tripping balls with Momo. <laughs> as the kids say, I'm hip to the jive. I know. That. I know how, how to do say you things. do, fellow kids? I say as a 22 year old. <laughs> So then he starts tripping balls with Momo, uh, giving one of the most iconic series of scenes in this series. Like, this is one of the best comedic moments here. You know, my brother and I recite this, like, all the time. Drink (laughs) cactus juice. It'll quench you. Nothing's quenchier. It's the quenchiest. And uh, also, like, the part where he just does the worm in the middle of, like, his cactus juice spiel. 
And yes. then guitarist's like, oh, no, I have to deal with this for the rest of the day. Okay, I think you've had enough. And then she's like, Who's lit, who lit Toph on fire? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so funny. Like the animation and Jack DeSena's like voice acting just make it amazing i like to think that this was a one take situation he got this in one take and they were like that's perfect <laughs> that's it jack DeSena, come on our podcast i want to talk about the cactus juice <laughs> i also imagine you know how break would sometimes act out scenes for the animators i imagine like one of them like <laughs> writhing on the floor like trying to get the right animation and also i just love i love the close-ups too like the close-up on his eyes like yes. it's like pupil expands just like you feel like he's tripping balls you like and the audience I don't know, feels it with him i don't know why i'm always surprised when the show like makes me like genuinely laugh like i, I don't know why I, i'm uh, constantly surprised at how funny the show actually is maybe it's because of how deep like the character development is and all the plot stuff i think so because i because i'm always thinking about that stuff a with avatar but when it's excellent art you know excellent art doesn't often you know include humor which i think is stupid that's you know? true like yeah you don't have to take yourself so damn seriously sometimes y'all <laughs> you know Right, right, yeah. I think that's why. That's interesting. I also I think Top asked for some cactus juice, so that so that means like I mean, especially as he just acted that goofy and asked if someone who lit her on fire. So like, did you think she probably knows that he, that like Sokka and Momo are high off their asses, right? Like, do you oh, think she, that she wants that? Did you think she wants the cactus not because she's thirsty, because she wants to trip with them? <laughs> I think Top would be like, you know how people when people get drunk, they're either really loud and obnoxious. Or they're just in the corner of the room, just like staring off into the distance. And that's I what Toph would be on Cactus Juice. I think that's what Toph would be. Like just... borderline unresponsive, like completely catatonic, just like completely just in her world. And I also imagine it might be also a little scarier if she can't see. You yeah. know? Well, so she already pro- can't see anyway. So, well, yeah, I know. She might want to like that... take the edge off, I guess. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. But it's like when, when they say, like, like don't look in the mirror after you like smoked weed or something or like done like really hard drugs like i'm not speaking for personal experience but i've never heard that advice in my life (laughs) yeah you're not supposed to look in the mirror because it can like send you into full panic attack but that's only again when you're doing like hard hard drugs again not speaking from personal experience i just know a lot of people good to know (laughs) good to know uh yeah don't look in the mirror (laughs) if you're dropping acid anyway (laughs) moving on yeah, let's move on from that. Also, the cact- also the also the music for the cactus juice like yeah. it has like a certain like thing to it. You, it's you, like you a, wanna... yeah, it's like that alien like theremin sort of sound. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of yeah. like like little like music beats like with some things that like Momo has with like you know when he's like running around doing something goofy. You know yeah, like, yeah, what I'm yeah. talking about. So there's like cactus juice has his own like little theme. You know, almost. I I just uh, I man I wish I wish Zuko was already on their team because I want to see what that. Zuko and Cactus Juice looks he's like. Also, he's also like the kind of guys like get your head out of the bison's mouth, Sokka. Like, yeah, you know? true, true. So he'd probably be with Guitaro on that one. But I don't know. I mean, like, hey, you're in the desert, and there's something to drink. I mean, I don't blame yeah. him. You know. Uh, okay. I can't say I wouldn't have done that. Actually, no, I would not have done the same thing. I mean, I'm not the kind of person to just drink things from nature. So anyway, back to the serious, sad stuff. Uh, Ang is flying over the desert, blowing his whistle and yelling Appa's name. Uh, he then lands, and then the weight of his grief overtakes him, and he slams him sta- his staff into the ground and forms a mushroom cloud. And then, of course, the serious moment is, un- is undertaken by, it's a giant mushroom. 
baby, it's friendly. Giant mushroom, mushy giant friends. <laughs> like the, the, the animation for them, like the Sakon, like. <sighs> you know what? You know why I think it works too is because. I think they were right in putting in all this comedy because for for some kids, this could be extremely devastating if they show yeah. too much of Sad. like the grief aspect. And That's- it only it only works only because they are separated from each other. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like the comedy is like undercutting the serious emotional grief that's going on. Oh no. And I think the 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 fact that it's in they're two different places helps that. You know. Yeah, I literally put in the show notes. I'm like, this is like a pretty low point for the gang. Like watching this, I'm like, they're like at probably one of the lowest points they've been in the series. Oh yeah, yeah. Like they're they they've lost not only their ride, but Aang, you know, has lost his friend, his best friend, his last tie to his culture. You know, yeah. yeah. And like they're stranded in the desert. Kids are stranded in the desert mm-hmm. with a very low chance of survival, and they mm-hmm. don't have that much water. And you know. Let's have uh, let's have Sokka trip on ass. That's you know in a way that's friendly enough for kids on you know kids to watch on TV. Well, also talking about Toph, how she says everything is fuzzy because she mm-hmm. can't really see in sand. So that's mm-hmm. like another thing that they have to worry about. You know exactly. It's like I'm I, again. That's the things you notice when you get older watching this show. Yeah. You know, I would have lasted like an hour out there. These kids are making it days. I'm be like, I'm done. I kind of hate the beach most of the time because it is basically a desert, but with you know a giant water lapping up at the shore. Loud drunk people and and salty water. I love and that. hot sand and hot There's so sand. much fucking sand. Not to completely derail this conversation, but I absolutely hate the beach. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't like it that much either. I, maybe like I like walking by like walking by the ocean like in the morning before people are showing up or like, watching the sunrise or the sunset over the ocean. That is amazing. Yes. But spending an entire day at the beach. No. No. Why are we spending out? Why are you spending hours at the beach? What are you doing? What are you doing there? I'm from New Jersey, which is like, you know, the shore, you know, literally Jersey Shore, you know, all that stuff. I literally go to Cape May, not for the freaking beach, but it's for the shopping and like the pretty buildings and stuff. I remember the last time I went to the beach, it was like two years ago. And like an hour in, I was like, can we go now? And everyone was like, why? And I'm like, what do you mean? What? No one's doing anything. And, the, and I was like, how long are you wanting to stay here? And they're like, I don't know, like probably another couple hours. Another couple hours? What are we doing? What's going on? In the middle of the day, the sand is hot. Exactly. There's sand everywhere. There's sand on my phone. There's sand on my eye. There's sand on my my water bottle. What are you doing? I'm with you. If it's like early in the morning or late at night, I don't. I love walking there. I love it. But that's for like barely an hour. I'm not out here on the beach for eight plus hours. No. What is with that? Also, like same thing with camping. Why do y'all camp? Anyway, we need to go back to this. <laughs> anyway, we need to go back to this. I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and Stop. irritating, and it gets everywhere. <laughs> Anyways, so Shifu and Master Yu, who are after Toph, in case you forgot about them already, because I sure as hell did, uh, arrive at the Misty Palms Oasis looking for Toph. Um, the man they're talking to says that they went out into the desert with her. The gang went out to the desert with her. And they know they basically point out a chance that they won't make it out alive. And then the two debate if Toph is like wanted dead or alive. I'm kind of with, you know, with Master Yu on this one. I'm pretty sure her parents want her alive. Uh, right. <laughs> at this point, Fudis notices that Fire Nation, the Fire Nation wanted posters as well as I, and then notices that Iroh and Zuko are arriving at the desert, 
um, riding at the Oasis and entering the local tavern, and they smell an opportunity. Hmm. It's nearing sunset when the gang rejoins the group without Appa. He is extremely dejected and just not his usual self, understandably. Mm-hmm. Um, but top of that, you know, like, you know, not top by the fact that I said that, Katara pulls the group together again and urges them to continue on, even as the buzzard wasps, wasps start to fly ahead, overhead. Like, I guess this is a good point to talk about how Katara is like. Keeping everyone together too. Yeah, Katara. Hmm. Yes, I want to talk about her in a little bit, but also mm-hmm. Aang is is a whole different side of him mm-hmm. that we've we have never not, we have seen. Not seen that because he is usually the one to be like, it's not so bad. Like at least we have each other. Like, but mm-hmm. this is like it for him. This is like what is the what is the point? You know, and even the way he's animated with like the bags under his eyes and like the completely mm-hmm. like cold Ejected. exterior of this otherwise like extremely happy person mm-hmm. is very jarring as a viewer like it really it really like drives home the grief and just the way that he does not think that they're going to survive this yeah and he doesn't care yeah he doesn't care that's the thing which Crazy. you know Katara then points out later you know promise me you won't stop caring so then Katara announces that they should stop for the night and they just as soon as she says that they just all collapse onto the ground like I don't know. Maybe that, I mean, that made me laugh, but I probably should not have laughed at that because they're pretty exhausted. <laughs> um, Top then asked for water again, and Katara begins to ration out the last of her water when Momo jumps through it, causing it to, you know, splatter all over the ground. Momo, no! You've killed us all! Like, <laughs> oh my god. It's like, I, I'm going to keep quoting the episode. I'm sorry, guys. Do it. Uh, Katara then water bends the, you know, water out of the sand and say, oh, right, water bending. Forgot that she can do that. <laughs> and also this next exchange, Katara then asks if, like, she can see the scrolls that Sokka found at the library. What? I didn't steal anything. Pulls that whole thing. And then he starts yelling at Momo that he yeah, that he ratted about. And you see, like, Momo just, like, sobbing. Like, he, like, curls up his ears at daddy. He's just like this. They are they are a chaotic I mean, duo. That's what I mean when like I, I Momo is like Sokka's like pet. Like it's like Sokka's mm-hmm. cat, you know. Found him in the dumpster, but he's mine now. Like he's my best friend. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Found him in the ruins of an air temple. <laughs> I was trying. To, I tried to eat him, but he's my friend now. I love it. That's literally their dynamic. Classic, classic dynamic. Oh my god! And Katara is. I mean, like I just gotta point out with Katara's like you know role here is that she's just trying to boost morale trying to lead everyone out of the desert she's doing everything she can here because Sokka's out of the game you know Top can't see super well in the desert Aang is just at his lowest point you know ah it's like one of his lowest points I should say like yes. damn I can't, I really felt for her in this episode too like that cannot be easy to do that it's not unlike when you're in a group project and you <laughs> kind of have to do everything yourself yeah no wonder I felt that so hard. <laughs> no wonder you related to that. Yeah. Um, no, it's... <laughs> uh, I, I have to clarify. We're not talking about us doing the podcast. <laughs> no, like, no, 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 no. I feel like I feel like some people could have read it that way. That's not what we're talking no, about. No, 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 no. At all. No, we no, all we're do about our... school. <laughs> yeah, we each do our fair share. We promise. Um, no, I, I like this because, again, logically... Sokka would try to find ways to survive, which is how he ended up tripping balls on the cactus juice. So Katara, and there is that moment where Katara is looking at each one of them and she's like, all right, I guess I have to do it myself. And then she just pulls everyone together and gets them out of there. And it's like, that is really, 
it's how do I put this? It's like it's admirable for her to do this, but you feel bad at the same time, you know? Like Yes, and I remember I remember long ago seeing a video talking about how this like negatively enforces like the female character of the group is like the caretaker. But I'm mm. like, that's not really what it is at all. Like no. she's the one that's like taking the initiative and making sure that they get out of this alive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like I'm always picking up after you boys. Like it's not that. No, it's never. You like know, that. like it's yeah. it's a lot more dire. There's a lot more at stake than just yeah. that. You know, so yeah, it is admirable. But you're just like again, kids. Like they're just trying to make it out alive. Yeah. Like if you think yeah. about it a little, a little too long, you're just like. Some really heavy shit. Exactly. Thank God for the cactus juice moments because this would have been exactly. a really heavy episode. The cactus juice is is yeah is saving us all. Yeah, exactly. Because I remember like we were because I remember we were like you usually talk about which episodes you want to pick for the week. So whenever when like Andre texts you what episode you want to do, and it's like the desert or Serpent's Pass. I'm like, oh, the desert. That's a, that's the cactus juice episode, right? I'm and then yeah. <laughs> we're totally forgetting how heavy this episode is. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so Katara opens the map and Aang is still, you know, you know, he's still in the dumps, clearly, you know, obviously, you know, that's probably, but I don't really know the best way to describe, but he says that none of the maps will help them find Appa. Katara then points out that, yeah, it won't help find Appa, but it will help and lead to bossing say. Um, And so, you know, it's like the next best thing we can do at this point, mm-hmm. you know, survive first, then find Appa. Um and then they just usually just starting up again and start walking again in a few hours to take advantage of how cold it can get at night. So that way they don't, you know, roast as much. <laughs> um, back to Iroh and Zuko. They're inside the same exact establishment where the gang met the professor a few episodes ago. Actually, was it last episode? I don't know. Time means nothing. Um, <laughs> Iroh, Iroh then spots someone at the pie show table and he believes this may be the friend for whom they are looking um, as they head over, Shinfu is ready to go after them. You know, gung ho, ready to go on this one. But Master Yu tells him, like, "Look, there's people. There's gonna be a bunch of people who are gonna be after these guys. Like, you know, let's uh, let's be a little bit more stealthy with this." Um, Ira then asks to play Pai Show, and the man at the table allows him to make the first move. Um, after they, he places the white lotus tile in the center of the board, the man and Ira begin making, following this pattern and forming a big ass lotus on the board. He then refers to Iro as as a brother and says that the white lotus opens wide to those who know her secrets. And I forgot the white lotus was introduced like this early on. I always thought that they were introduced mm-hmm. later, you know? Yep. So that was cool. Um, Jinfu then loses his patience and goes after Iroh and Zuko, but Fong, the guy who's the guy at the, you know, the pie show table is like, I knew it. You guys are wanted criminals. Like, but it's kind of like overacting, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To get the attention of the other people at the bar and then you know as soon as he mentions their reward everyone starts going after them which provides you know zuko and iroh a way to escape and get some help katara then wakes up the gang so that way they can take advantage of the cold night and keep walking um ang then suddenly brightens for a second when he mistakes a cloud for appa and then realizing his mistake his mood gets worse but then katara says like hey you can water bend the cloud into the water skin and he's he's angry you know, understandably angry. Um, Katara then comments on how little water there was from the cloud. Then Aang just blows up at her again, asking her what she's doing to help. And to which she quietly states, trying to keep everyone together. Which it's that part. So heartbreaking. Ah, <sighs> uh, fuck. Yeah. 
You just want to give her a hug. Like, seriously, you are keeping everyone together. You're doing doing amazing, sweetie. We're so proud of you. You're doing amazing, Katara. But then they keep moving and Toph stubs her toe on a boat buried in the sand. Aang then uncovers it using airbending. And it's actually one of the gliders that the sandbenders use. And it comes with a free compass and a cup holder. And they have their way (laughs) out now. Uh, Iroh and Zuko are led to a flower shop by their new friend who tells Iroh that it's an honor to meet such a high-ranking member of the Order of the White Lotus. Zuko, Zuko, meanwhile, just hasn't gotten, like, he just doesn't take any hints here. He's just like, what? what's a pie show game going to help out here? What's going on here? Yeah. Um, and then after a little, like, riddle password exchange thing that happens through this, like, speakeasy-looking window in uh, a door, Iroh and Fung, their new friend, are let into a back room, but Zuko is shut out and made to wait within the flower shop because the room is for members only. So, uh, Aang then uses his airbending to propel the sand sailor over, you know, sand sailor over the sand because you're in a desert. There's a lot of sand. Um, <laughs> I just think, keep thinking because there's an episode where like, you know, you know, Korra and Asami are stuck in a desert and they end up making their own makeshift sand sailor mm-hmm. together and yeah. Korra having to use her airbending to get that out. Very reminiscent. Hint, hint. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. It's like poetry. It rhymes. For anyone who thinks that they were rushed, there were parallels, guys. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so Katara points out that she doesn't think that the needle on the compass is pointing north when they see a giant rock ahead, understanding that the compass is pointing towards that, which is the magnetic center of the desert. And Toph is just really excited about seeing a rock. Katara's like, hey, there might be some water at this rock. And then Ang hopes there might be sandbenders. And I don't know about you, but because he wants to beat the fuck out of him, that's why. But anyone else kind of get like Anakin episode two of Star Wars vibes a little bit from like when he's about to kill the sand people. That's the vibes I'm getting here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like, yes, he did straight up almost kill them. So absolutely. Sorry to make two, not one, but two episode two references. I know we'd all rather block that movie out of our minds, but it keeps crawling back to me. Um, they reach the top of the rock as the sun comes up and Top does this like rock angel, which that made me laugh. I like that. <laughs> yeah. uh, she's happy to be back on solid ground again. The gang then enters a tunnel and Sokka's slowly coming down from his cactus juice high. And then he and Momo try eating this weird sap on the walls of the cave. Apparently it tastes... Do. Why not? Like, you know, smart is like, you know, Sokka's like super smart, but also super stupid sometimes. And I just love that duality. Um, Katara goes off on him a little bit, which honestly, I don't blame her for that. Considering that she's been like the, you know, having to be like the designated, like, it's like, reminds me like this, these, like, it reminds me of like girls in a bathroom, like at, in a, at a club. And it's like the mom friend that the, the designated <laughs> mom friend of the group is like, you need to stop texting your ex. Stop it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, like things like that. Like someone who's had too many shots of fireball, you know? Oh, the fireball. Listen, as someone who doesn't usually partake in the alcohols, I have definitely been that person that has had to take care of drunk people. And I'm just like, maybe you shouldn't have another gold schlager or maybe you shouldn't fireball. take another three shots of fireball. And they're just like, no, I can no. take it. And then next thing you know, I'm, I'm I've got holding them over their my hair. shoulder and taking them to their to yeah to the bathroom to throw up. Yeah, holding their hair and all that stuff. So that that's the vibes that I got from this. <laughs> uh, suddenly, Top then realizes they're not walking down a natural cave. And notices that something's buzzing and it's coming right towards them, and and it's the buzzard wasps because wasps 
Wasps. I can't say the fucking wasps. word wasp. Wop, wop, wop. <laughs> anyway, wasps. Well, can, I, can I just say I feel very personally victimized and attacked by these two episodes because it, they are uh, making me confront my two biggest fears, which is uh, deep sea monsters and wasp slash bee hybrid things with giant nests. And I just I just don't appreciate it, Brike. I don't appreciate it. You should have known that we were going to do this podcast <laughs> and would have to talk about this extensively. Anyway. So they start fighting off these buzzard wasps things and, you know, it's just not looking good for them at all. Uh, Momo then gets snatched by one of the buzzard wasps and Aang's like, I'm not losing another friend to this fucking desert. Like, fuck the desert. I'm going after this guy, you know, and chases after the the wasp. Um, As the others are running away down the rock, Aang successfully frees Momo, but he's, you know, he's not just happy with getting his friend back. He wants Mm -hmm. to he wants to fuck up that wasp and he does. He uses airbending to knock the creature down. And I'm like, that, I mean, like, it's like, it describes like, it shocks Momo and it, the audience too, you know? A little does bit. He, does he kill it? I don't know. It looks like it hit the ground pretty hard. It doesn't fly back up again. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. And I've thought about this moment a lot. And I think I've kind of settled on it seems. A touch too far for Aang. Yeah, that's the point. And to me, whatever amount of grief Aang was feeling, I don't think that was worth it. That he would willingly kill a living thing, even if mm-hmm. it was something that was attacking him. That's mm-hmm. kind of his whole vibe, right? Yeah. And the Avatar state, that's different. He, d- he yeah. doesn't have full grasp of that, but he's not in the Avatar state in this moment. This is just him. So, like, I think. I think it was just a little bit too far to really get across that he is not himself anymore. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's a, I mean, it's a kid's show. They might need a little extra push. Yeah. And again, it's unclear you know. whether he actually did kill that thing. But mm-hmm. if he did, I'm just like, it just seems a, uh, seems a bit of a stretch for his character. Yeah. I don't believe that Aang would would do actually something do that. like that. Yeah. Um, back at the rock, Katara is helping Toph aim to fight off the buzzard wasps when suddenly these giant sandblasts just scare the wasps away. Mm-hmm. The sand clears to reveal a bunch of sandbenders. Aang then returns and lands in between the two parties, which he's looking pissed the fuck off. Um, of course, you can, you know, you gotta jump right back to Iroh and Zuko right now. So, to- so Iroh, why did I say Toph? Jesus Christ. Iroh finally emerges from the back room, startling Zuko awake because he was sleeping standing up like a horse. Um, like a horse. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> you I'll s- take how, it. Does, how does one sleep standing up like as a human? I, I know. Can't like can. horses like lock their knees or something? Yes, I did. I just wasn't expecting that. <laughs> oh my god robert can we get a horse uh with zuko's photoshop 10 on it please thank you so much <laughs> iroh comes back from the back from the back room startling zuko out of his horse sleep and uh he tells zuko that they'll be heading towards ba Sing Se to hide as refugees jinfu and master you are still looking for them outside uh the sandbenders then ask the group why they have one of their vessels and accuses them of stealing it you have a point to say because i see your hand going I, up i Yes, yes. I'll just raise my hand real quick before we get to this part. When I was watching this, you know what I we you know what was the vibe I got. What was the vibe you got? I don't think it would have taken them that long to figure out where to take Zuko and Iroh. I think Iroh was already planting the seeds 
for the White Lotus to show up in Bossing Say during Susan's comment. That's what I was thinking. That's what I was I thinking. Think, I think Ira went in there and he's like, we need to mobilize the White Lotus now. Like now. Because they're all over the world, it seems. So it's going to mm-hmm. take a while to get them all in this one place. Yeah. I think I think that's exactly mm-hmm. what happened. I think I think he he foresaw that the Fire Nation would would infiltrate and take over Bossing Say before the comet, and he was gonna use the power of the comet to take it back as like a, as like a final like reckoning with his past sins of trying to yeah. invade it to take it back for the earth kingdom. I think, I think that's exactly what was happening. Oh yeah, absolutely. That makes total sense. And I love, I, I, I never thought of that until I watched it for the podcast. I was like, yeah, I think it's totally possible. You know, they seem to be no. in there for a while talking logistics. Don't go I don't know. Asleep like a horse. So, you know, and maybe Iroh mm. had to explain and convince a lot of people to do that. You know, but he seems to be a very high-ranking member, if not the leader. Yeah. You know, so I want a white. I want a white. I want a white lotus series. By the way, add that to the list of things I want to see from Avatar Studio. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is it ever did so? Did Iroh start the White Lotus, or did he just become a member? Or I don't know. I don't I, yeah, know. I don't think we ever got. That's why I want this that. series. That's why I want the White Lotus series. I want these. An- I want these. Well, answers. wasn't there wasn't there something Rise of Kyoshi where it was like this seems very White Lotusy. Mm, I guess. Yeah. It was like with the, the Dao Fe, some of the elements of the Dao Fe, I think it was. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Mm, anyway. Um the Sandbenders, you know, they're with you know, uh confronting the gang about the, you know, the stolen sand sailor, sand ship. Um, Guitara points out they found it and that their air bison was stolen and like the son of the person who started talking to them was like pissed off that they stole something. Or had passed out that, that they'd been accused of stealing something only for his mm-hmm. dad to be like, um, yeah, no one's like accusing us of anything. Like, we should go, you know, offer this the avatar some hospitality. Right. Top recognizes one of the voices as belonging to the person who ended up taking Appa. Um, Aang is getting even angrier at this point. He steps forward and demands to know where Appa is. And when they aren't the sandbenders don't provide answers, he then destroys one of their sand sailors. Um Yay. back to Shin- <laughs> Yeah. Oof. Um Shinfu and Master Yu head into the flower shop looking for Zuko and Iroh, but they're nowhere to be found, even after he after one of them knocks down the door to get to the back room. Um, they then decide to just give up on the search for Zuko and Iroh and just go back to searching for Toph. Um, and it's kind of a kind of a funny moment because you see like the two of them get like carted out in like <laughs> these giant yes. pots, potted plants. They just poke their heads out and look around and you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they made it out safely. Yay! Aang then demands to know where Appa is and demand and destroys another sand sailor to make sure, you know, let everyone know that he was just, his patience is gone at this point. Uh-huh. The leader then turns to his son, asks what he did to, you know, bring this kind of response from Aang. And, you know, Toph then says that he and it told the other sandbender to put a muzzle on Appa, which pushes Aang over the edge. Uh, absolute rage. He goes into the Avatar state and completely destroys the remaining sand sailors. This moment always gives me chills, and I think the reason it does is that there is no preparation for you as an audience member mm-hmm. for that to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, usually some Avatar State business is there is some sort of leading up to it. He just slips right into it out of nowhere, and it uh, with the music, and it's just like 
like whoa holy shit like th- things are getting really real right now um the son then confesses that he took the bison without knowing that it belonged to him and basically begs for mercy at this point like you know i like this the avatar state voice is fucking scary like <laughs> yeah. I, i'd be shitting myself at this point too mm-hmm. um again like i said he begs for mercy and only tell him that he traded Appa to some merchants and then he's probably embossing say by now for sale um he even says that he'll that they'll escort the gang out of the desert and help however they can, but that's just not enough for Aang at this point. Still furious, he bends his sphere around himself and triggers a scary-ass sandstorm. Sokka runs away with Toph, and just Katara's facial expression in this moment. Like, I don't know how to describe it. It's like disappointment, like exhaustion. Like, what what is it at this point? I don't, I don't know. This, the, it vexes me. Like, I don't. I mean, it's still, it's still like, you know, hurt me inside, but I didn't know like what kind of, you know. I don't know why it hurt. Yeah, it's like a lot going on. Obviously, it, it pains her to see Aang like this. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think it's also maybe Kantara feeling a sense of empathy towards him because, I mean, the last time he was like this, barring the beginning of this season, was when he found Monkey Yatsu's corpse, right? Mm-hmm. And I think Katara kind of, wishes that he wouldn't have to feel that grief in that way again, again. and yeah. that to see him do that is reminding her of the last time that happened and and i think it is a mixture of just dis- not disappointment but like yeah i was gonna say it may have disappointment because i'm like you know that didn't sound right yeah. exhaustion physically and emotionally exhausted and yeah. also being like it's okay yeah like, it's you don't need to do all this it's okay you know uh, but yeah. she's the only one who ends up is able to approach him and she makes his way through his terrifying display of airbending and she quite literally brings him back down to earth by gently grabbing his hand and yeah. like this part again like the animation of like their facial expressions and their body language just sell this like you know he hugs him to her as tears start to spill from his eyes and he comes out of Avatar State. He's crying while he's still like, you still see yeah. like, the white in his eye and you can see him crying out of it. Like, <sighs> it gives me the same feeling of the season three finale of Korra where the last frame is just a tear going down her face. And then it just, it's like, Oh, credits. It, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's same feeling for me. Absolute same <sighs> feeling. And that ends the episode. That That's all I've left to say of this episode. <laughs> yeah. What an episode. Jesus. All right. Well, we're going to go on to 212 in a little bit, but first we got to take a quick break for our ad read. We will see you after then. All right. And we are back. So let's talk about 212, the serpent's pass. Um, so this caused a little bit of confusion for us because uh, we were, are obviously watching this on Netflix and Netflix has this episode, the serpent's pass combined with the drill episode. And they put it in this 40 minute episode titled secrets of the fire nation. Um, and so I was like, interesting, why why do they do it like this? So I looked it up on Avatar Wiki, and this is what they said. Um, this episode aired alongside the drill as a one-hour special, um, and it was t- they titled it Avatar's Secret of the Fire Nation. And until Susan's comment aired, the special was the highest rated among viewers, with 4.4 million viewers. Um, this special airing was sponsored by Upper Deck Entertainment, um, for special premiere screenings at numerous cities throughout the United States. Um, and these screenings began on September 9th, six days before the Nickelodeon television airing at Ann Arbor, Los Angeles, Louisville, New York, Philadelphia, Providence, and Washington, D.C. movie theaters and included demonstrations of the Avatar TCG. I don't know what that is. 
Um, the card. Oh, the trading card game. That's what it is. <sighs> um, but yeah, so this special actually aired in theaters. Like Avatar was already at that point, and they were only halfway through the show. The entire show. Which is crazy to also, me to gotta, think about. Yeah. I was going to say with the Serpent's Pass episode, I did kind of shit on it last season. And I take that all back now. It's actually a really, it's actually a pretty good episode. Like, Work. so just want to take yeah. that back real quick. Uh, you know what um, that is? It's called growth. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Also in the listing of season two on Amazon Prime, this episode and the drill are combined into the Secret of the Fire Nation as well. However, the two episodes special that predated it, the Fury of Aang is instead listed as the separate episodes, The Library and The Desert. So that's why it's a 40-minute thing on um, <laughs> on Netflix. They also do this, I believe, with The Guru and Crossroads of Destiny. They put it into a 40-minute special because that's how it aired on Nickelodeon, which I do remember that. Um, I, kept, I remember hearing the one-hour season finale, and, you know, you hear one hour, it's actually, like, 39 minutes. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's the commercial. That but that's how they get you, time. yeah. So let's get into the episode. Um, the episode begins with Sokka looking over a map that he took from the spirit library while the rest of the gang relax near a waterfall. Together, that they, together they decide the fastest way to bossing Say is to go through the Serpent's Pass. Just as, they, just as they decide to do this, a group of three Earth Kingdom refugees hear their plans to go through the Serpent's Pass, which one of them describes as a deadly route for only the desperate, and they convince them to take a ferry to bossing Say instead. Um, after arriving at the ferry station, Katara mentions that she didn't know that there were so many people displaced by the war. Um, and let's also point out that this group um, with the pregnant woman is uh, the couple that we saw at the beginning of Zuko alone, who Zuko decides not to rob. Um, and also, again, Katara is mentioning here of, of, of many people, so many people displaced by the war. It's what happens in actual wars, like people lose their homes you know, whether because of collateral damage or just infiltration of of the enemy that they have to flee for their lives, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so meanwhile, a fairy which has just departed has not only Iroh and Zuko, but Jet, Smellerby, and Longshot, the freedom fighters we met in season one. Jet overhears Zuko's complaints about how bad the food tastes and asks Zuko to assist his group in liberating some food, to which Zuko agrees. Um, Iroh during this makes some comment about how he feels returning to the place of his greatest military failure um, as a tourist uh, and it's just a small <laughs> character moment that I, I just really appreciated his smile though when he puts the hat on and he's like as a yeah. tourist <laughs> <laughs> um, meanwhile at the ferry station the ticket master uh, is, is just how Avatar Wiki uh, <laughs> described her ticket master just reminds me of the, the concert ticket yeah I gonna, I literally, that's literally what I was just thinking <laughs> Um, she turns them away. Um, she turns away the infamous cabbage guy who makes an appearance again in this episode as his cabbages could potentially destroy Bossing Say's ecosystem with parasites. That's and they a, have a, a giant cabbages. Yeah. And they, they have this giant platypus bear just completely smashes cabbages. Like you could have just let him leave with the cabbages. Yeah. <laughs> Always getting a, a bad go at things. Um, Aang approaches Ticketmaster and requests for tickets for his, him and his group. She does not let him through on accounts of not having a passport and also for Momo being an animal. So he's not allowed on either. And when Aang tries to pull the Avatar card, uh, she doesn't believe it as she sees 50 a day. And it cuts to these people in like really bad Avatar cosplay with like a really like lame sounding rendition of the Avatar theme, which is uh, just a nice um, touch by Jeremy Zuckerman. Um 
Aang backs away as Toph approaches with her Beifong family document, upon which the Ticketmaster gushes her loyalties to the Beifong family and grants them passage, allowing Momo as her seeing-eye lemur. And this just, to me, reminds me of how, like, people get away with, like, letting their dogs on planes by, like, just registering them as... As, like, emotional support animals. Emotional support like animals, which I am told you are not supposed to do. But people yeah. do it all the time. I mean, didn't I saw like a video of this lady who tried doing like bringing her squirrel on board as a emotional support animal. Her squirrel. Okay. Squirrel. Okay. Well, we know what kind Continue. of lady that was. Um, as the gang departs, Sokka is stopped by a guard asking for their tickets and passports. Sokka doesn't recognize the guard until she kisses him on the cheek. And we find out that the guard is Suki sans Kiyoshi makeup. The icon, the legend. <laughs> yes. Um, Suki tells them that her and the other Kiyoshi warriors left Kiyoshi Island to help refugees and they ended up here. Um, as they tell Suki their plans to go to Bossing Say, she asks them why they don't just fly over on Appa and really just brings the whole mood down, but she didn't know. Uh, Katara tells her that Appa has been stolen. Um, so not only is this just acknowledging again what's happened in the past episodes, but it also sets up the Appa Alone episode, which is not is it, is it actually next Appa week. Alone? Isn't Appa, it's the, I mean, technically Appa's it's Appa days. Alone. There it is. Yeah, not Appa alone. <laughs> God, what is with me tonight? Also, yeah, we okay. have the distinct pleasure, the imminent pleasure of covering not only that episode, but the Leaves from the Vine episode in oh, one episode, right. guys. Oh. We are doing Toes of Washington State and Appa's Lost Days. Lost Bring Days. Appa's Lost Days. It's Jesus lost. He's not dying, he's man. Not dying. <laughs> don't say that. I know he's going to turn out okay, but don't fucking say that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so that's happening. But yeah, that this does set up how how um Suki like kind of fi- not finds Appa, but knows why he's there. Um, so as the ferry begins to depart, uh, the refugees that. Uh, led Team Avatar to the bay, call up to them in desperation because their tickets and passports had just been stolen. Aang tries to appeal to the Ticketmaster, but she refuses to help them, and with nothing left to do, Aang agrees to lead them through the Serpent's Pass. Um, So the gang, along with the refugees and Suki, who wants to come with them to help them, uh, they reach the Serpent's Pass, and it is marked with a sign that says Abandon Hope. And this is from the Avatar Wiki. Um, this could be a reference to the words that appear above the gates of hell in Dante's The Divine Comedy, which read, Abandon all hope, ye who enter here. In case you um, forgot, this episode's about hope. Yes, yes, it is about Just hope. Just in case you lot. forgot, it gets a little bit, uh, get a little uh, hammer, you know, hammer meat nail kind of thing going OTN on. OTN on the nose, yes. Um, so after a brief run in with a Fire Nation ship and an overprotective Sokka, the crew rests for the night. Sokka, earlier throwing himself in the way of falling debris to save Suki, is also overprotective of Suki putting her sleeping bag on a possibly precarious ledge and possibly a poisonous spider as well. More on this later. Uh, we cut to Aang and Katara somewhere else in the camp, and Katara assures Aang that it's okay to miss Appa and to feel that grief, but Aang says he's trying to keep his emotions in check because he didn't want to lose control again like he did in the previous episode with the Sandbenders. Um, Katara counters with the fact that he's not letting himself feel anything and that when she attempts to hug him, Aang bows and said and thanks her for her concern. Ugh. And I love this because it's not only a, a continuation of Aang's journey through grief. It's just a very real thing that people do. Like, I know a lot of people that have done this in reaction to a traumatic or something, a traumatic event or an event that has caused extreme grief. 
like they completely shut down because because if they don't feel that emotion they think they'll feel better but they just end up feeling nothing you know so it's just exactly what's happening here so again real world implications happening here um so we're back with suki and Sokka. they too have peeled off from the group and they stand on a ledge looking at the moon in the night sky Sokka tells Suki that she knows she can take care of herself, but after losing someone at the North Pole he cared about, he doesn't want the same to happen to her. And let me just pause this because I Mm -hmm. just think this is the the juiciest, most character-driven moment in this episode. Mm -hmm. Because at first you are like, does Sokka just not think Suki can take care of herself because she's a girl, right? Because that's kind of like where we were at in the Kyoshi Island episode that happened a season ago. Even And even though Sokka's progressed so much after that, that's kind of what it's reading as. Yeah. But then when he says that, you as the audience member is like, oh, I didn't right. even think of that. Like, I didn't even think that Sokka could be acting out of his grief for what happened to Yue. Yeah. Yeah. Also, okay, sorry. This might be. I of course have to bring up a meme in this occasion because I kind of I'm, I'm undercutting the emotional stuff here. Uh, no, go ahead. But uh, I don't know if anyone watches ASDF movies, but it's like these stick figure animations that are like super funny. Um, and so this is one part where it's like it's like a couple sitting together on like a looking up at the moon, and it's like, yes, it's really nice out. It's just you, me, and the moon. Cuts the moon. Hey, you two should kiss. Oh, I've <laughs> so, seen that. Yeah. So that's yes. it. I I can't help but think that whenever there's like a romantic moment, like under the moon, you know, hey, you two should kiss. It's like you way up there. Exactly, exactly. Um, but Suki says she also lost someone. Um, and after playing a, a quick round of twenty questions, she reveals that it's Sokka. <laughs> and as they come closer to kiss, uh, we see the moon between their faces, and Sokka miserably just pulls away. And Suki says she's sorry, and Sokka says she shouldn't be, and walks away. And again. It's so juicy. I just love the symbolism of UA in the sky between literally in between them. And it's like, ugh. and I just noticed too that I feel like there's just a little bit of a parallel going on between Aang and Sokka because I didn't notice this. Both Aang and Sokka kind of turn away any acknowledgement of their grief. You know, like Suki doesn't necessarily know all the details of what happened, but Katara does. But they both sort of rejected uh, uh, just uh, any sort of affection to kind of, like, quell their grief, you know? Mm-hmm. And Sokka, I mean, we don't really know if Sokka ever got a chance to, like, process Yue's loss as well, you know? And it's almost a like... Happened. A lot's happened, yeah. And again, in the Swamp episode, he was also confronted with that. So maybe mm-hmm. he has had some time to process it, but it's also... With Aang, it's completely fresh. Like, this happened, like, yesterday to them. Mm-hmm. You know, yesterday. so yeah, and I just think, in terms of like the dichotomy of what's happening, I think Aang is not letting himself feel any emotion, while Sokka is letting himself, letting himself feel a little too much, mm-hmm. almost. You yeah, know, I didn't even like, think about that. Thanks for pointing that out. And it's it it's it just reminded me of what uh what was going on. I think last episode when um when the, in the bitter work episode with. Aang's training and Zuko's training, like it's kind of a similar situation that's going yeah. on here. Um, cool. So back on the ferry with Zuko and Iroh, Zuko and the Freedom Fighters food heist is underway, and they manage to liberate some food from the captain's quarters, and they're distributing it to people on the ferry. Um, Iroh attempts to make conversation, uh, but instead misgenders trans icon Smellerby, 
and accidentally after, accidentally and after a staring look from long shot just a look Smellerby says her daily affirmation and that it doesn't matter what people think so long as she's confident with who she is and I just don't know guys it just feels very gay to yeah. me I also want to point out with like Iroh though is that he does exactly what you should do if you accidentally misgender somebody just, you you know apologize and immediately correct yourself exactly or even better yeah. just immediately correct yourself you know there you go. Correct yourself and use the right pronouns and the correct name for that person. So. Queer ally, Uncle Iroh. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, no wonder the gays love, like the queer community love them. <laughs> Jet says how great it will be to see the wall of the great city. Iroh says it is a sight to behold as he saw it once when he was a different man. Dot, dot, dot. Um, and Jet responds by saying he's going there for a new beginning. And Iroh, appearing to be directing his attention at Zuko, says that people deserve a second chance. So that's kind of also what they're doing as well. And I cannot mm-hmm. wait till we get into the domestic, like, tea-making <laughs> Iroh and Zuko stuff. I just can't wait. Yeah. Um, but the next day at the Serpent's Pass, the crew encounter a submerged passageway. So Katara and Aang part the Red Sea and create a waterbending submarine as they pass through underwater. Momo, being curious as ever, uh, same thing with the cactus juice, notices a school of fish passing by, so he plunges through the wall of water after them. And then suddenly... My fucking worst fear ever, a massive black form passes by Momo, which mm-hmm. sends him leaping back to Toph, and the wall of water is completely broken, and Toph, like, instinctually bends a column of earth to bring them up to the surface, where they come face-to-face with a giant sea serpent. Um, again, my worst nightmare. <laughs> I, I... I never want to go in a submarine because of that exact reason. I am, why are people going in submarines? Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Why are you going to the beach for eight hours? Why are you going camping? And why are you going in submarines? Like These just seem like bad ideas to me. Exactly. Also, I'm just scared of the ocean in general. So maybe that's also why I don't go to the beach. That I don't like the beach that much. Because I'm just generally scared of the ocean. Because I got stung by a jellyfish when I was 10. And like, Oh, absolutely not. So, I mean... I go boogie boarding, but I go real shallow when I go boogie boarding. If yeah. I that's when I, that's when I swallow my pride and go do it because I don't mm-hmm. want to sit on the hot sand all day. I'll so. boogie board in a pool. Um, <laughs> no, I remember when when movie theaters were a thing, and I was going to movies, and like for it felt like a year, they kept showing the preview of the Megalodon movie. Oh. The Meg, yeah, the the Meg. They call it the Meg. They call it the Meg. That makes it feel like it's like Family Guy. Anyway, keep going. But it's like that that trailer with like the girl in the submarine and like the the glass is like cracking i'm like every time i went to the movie theater i just kept getting like like is there like a legit fear of submarines i'm gonna look this <laughs> I, i'm pretty there has to be or just a fear of the ocean i mean it's a fear of the fear of the ocean so it's a sub mechanophobia it's a fear of man-made objects that are submerged underwater that's what i have so they're afraid of things like buoys submarines sunken ships and many things that sink into the ocean or that that kristen stewart movie when they're in the submarine and the power the d- goes out Oh fuck that! Mm. It's basically alien in the ocean. It's yes, basically I, alien, but submerged in the ocean. It's the worst. It's great for a horror movie. It's also why I'm scared of space. Space too. Like, why are we going out in space? Why are we doing this? <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> why are we going there? Anyway, it's just that those things are just meant for stronger people, stronger people than me. Seriously. Um, so Aang tries to distract, let's get back to our track, just try, tries to distract the monster and Katara bends a bridge of ice to everyone can get to the other side. And I'm just going to say it. Why couldn't a Toph just bend a bridge of earth? Exactly. That's literally 
what I was thinking. That's so she, literally she what bends, I was thinking. She bends a giant column of earth from the sea, right? So they can, so they're like above the water. Like Kiyoshi, that's correct. But why couldn't she just keep doing that? Yeah. <laughs> until they got across. Like why, did, why did they do the... that in the first place? <laughs> I don't understand. I just, I, guys, it just feels like you just did it to yourself. Maybe that, maybe that's one of the drawbacks to the episode. That's why I, do, I don't like it as much. I still think it's pretty good, but it's not yeah. my favorite. You know. Anyway. Uh, and here I am, just talking about like the last episode. Everything's so logical. There's so much logic. And then, <laughs> anyway, I don't work for CinemaSin, so let's just keep going. Oh god, um, ding. <laughs> yeah, Toph says she prefers to stay where she can see, but swiftly changes her mind when her miniature island is destroyed. Um, just as she is almost there, the serpent smashes the ice bridge, sending her into the water. She can't swim, so she calls out for for help. Suki jumps in and rescues her, and Toph, thinking that it's Sokka, kisses Suki. And in Paris, she just says, you can go ahead and let me drown now. <laughs> um, and meanwhile, Aang and Katara are fighting off the serpent. They create a large maelstrom, and it eventually gets knocked against one of the walls and just passes out. Um, the group complete its trek to the other side of the path, and they see the wall of Bossing say It's like an Emerald City. It's like the it's like the Emerald City, you know, like of when course. like like after they go through the poppy field, it's like oh the Emerald City. And they're right there, but not before the pregnant refugee goes into labor. I'm thinking about the first fandom corner, but keep going, keep going, keep. Oh talking. my God, stop! <laughs> Can you water bend uh something out of the womb? I can't. <laughs> I can't believe we started our podcast like that. Uh, <laughs> I think it's a great way to start. <laughs> Katara quickly takes charge again and designates designates jobs to everyone as they prepare to help the woman deliver her baby. Um, quickly back on the ferry, Jet tells Zuko that he can tell that he is an outcast like himself and that they don't they that they need to have each other's back. Um, Zuko states that he has realized that being on one's own is not always the best path. Redemption arc. Uh, buzzer or counter, whatever. We should have done that. Ding. Um. Yeah. Ding. <laughs> save that. For the, save, save that for the episode where we talk about Zuko's redemption arc. <laughs> exactly. Uh. Back outside of Bossing Se, Katar successfully helps deliver the baby, and the others go right in to see, except for Aang. Um. However, Katar What's... tells him that he's. I, I want to point out that Sokka faints. Like he walks into the room, right? Is like she starts pushing, and like he faints. I love that trope, though. It makes me laugh. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I love that trope as well. Um, Katara tells Aang that he has to come and see and upon seeing the newborn Aang tears up and says that he's been going through a really hard time but he they've made him hopeful again and after hearing this the couple decide to name their daughter Hope I kind of hate that name for a kid because Xena Warrior Princess ruined that for me and I oh god wait you've seen Xena Warrior Princess <laughs> no but I, I I understand your 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 feelings I yeah it's, a, it's a, I just don't like it and like <laughs> I mean, also just like the fact that like Hope is a, actually a terrible person in Xena. So like, mm-hmm. it's also kind of like why I really hate it. Like, there's like one person like invokes like you gave me hope, and you're literally talking to the person who was killed by hopes. Like literally, like by the person named Hope. So like, you're really that's like really insensitive. Anyway, little on going. the nose there. <laughs> um, <laughs> Seriously. So outside the tent, Aang tells Katara that he thought he was being strong when in fact he was just being emotionless and running away from his feelings. And how this whole experience reminded him of his love for Appa and his feelings towards her. Aww. Uh, <laughs> Suki tells Sokka that she needs to ma- meet back up with the other Kiyoshi warriors. And Sokka is surprised to realize that she came to protect him and not Aww. the other way around. Um, Suki apologizes for the previous night, but Sokka stops her with a kiss. 
Oh, and you know, I'm just like fist pumping in the background. Like, yeah. <laughs> They're so cute together. Yes, they are. Egg peels off from the group after declaring that he is going to look for Appa. However, when Aang reaches the top of the outer wall, he's horrified to see a giant Fire Nation drill approaching the outer wall of Bossing. Say, dot dot dot, end credits. Also, underrated moment of the episode, like, uh, you know, before they wait, go go check out, you know, Baby Hope and all that stuff. Uh, like Sauce, like, so are you gonna come see the baby? Or you're gonna faint like an old lady again. <laughs> so- yes. <laughs> How can I leave that out? Oh, yeah, insulting. Was great. Anyway, yeah, that was a good episode. That was good. A little on the nose, but you know what? Yeah, a little on the <laughs> nose, but it's okay. It's okay. Um, so yeah, we'll be obviously be talking about the Jill episode next week. Um, there are no Azula Bells for this episode or the episode before this, but I am sure we will get plenty next time. Oh yes. Um, let's move on to Phantom Corner. I, Kayla is usually our fan of corner correspondent, but this week I brought something to the table that I am extremely confused by. <laughs> I <laughs> it made me angry, but you know what? Explain the situation because, like, <laughs> we had a text message exchange. I'll tell my side of the things when it comes. So to I it. am just I am just being an innocent podcaster and scrolling through Facebook as I do, and I see that the Avatar Last Airbender Facebook, the official page. Keep this in mind, the official page post this picture and it says best redemption arc question you know a call to action get the fans involved get them in the comments sure so it's got a picture of Zuko and Hiroshi Sato from Legend of Korra but it also has a picture of Katara and it also has a picture of Korra and I I saw that I was like wait what Wait. He texts me this picture, and I'm like, you know, how, like, can you like, call, I'll, I'll pull up our text conversation because, like, you thought it was two different posts, and I'm like, I no, thought, it's not. I was, like, I was like, I was like, there's no way they posted it, and I was like, so it's like, can we talk about this? And like, wait, what the fuck? And he's like, wait, what? And I said, I'm confused. And he's like, it's from the official site too. And I'm like, I did not believe that this was something they had actually posted. I thought this was like something else they saw on his feed. Yeah. And then he's like, no, is this post? And then you know, oh, everyone else in the comments is also like what (laughs) so i'm glad we're not the only ones i'm usually at odds with people that are in the facebook posts talking about avatar i'm usually never agreeing with those people but everyone was like um what 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 redemption arc did katara what what are you implying what are you implying about katara and korra having a redemption arc that's what i I don't think it was i don't think it was intended to come out that way but it could be suggested that they are suggesting that Korra getting over her PTSD is a redemption arc, and that is not a good look at all. I think it's more. I think it's more like learning to cope with her PTSD. It's not like she completely gets over it. Correct. Serious, correct. You know, it's something that she learns. She learns to deal with it. Processing her trauma. De- yes. Yeah. But implying that it could be a redemption that is not a good look at all. Are no. these the same people that told us that we were going to get a new original series? And then it was just basically yes. another podcast. Yes. <laughs> I'm just yep. like, oh, no, what yeah. intern did that? They're getting fired. Um, no, I'm just like, again, from the official page, I was just like. Again, I didn't believe him when I when he sent me the screenshot. Like, there's no way they'd post something this dumb. And they did. But like in their minds, what's the Katara redemption arc? Is it her like 
getting better water but is it her dealing with her the death of her mother are we talking about like the um what's the episode the, the southern raiders episode is that what we're referring to here is that the redemption but that's just character development that's not <laughs> i literally i literally right before we recorded this we were talking about this and i said like you know character development and redemption arcs you know are like you know squares and rectangles you know like all yeah all redemption arcs are character development but not yeah. all character development is a redemption arc yeah what he said i just <laughs> I was just like, huh? What? I don't. What is? What is this? I don't. I am. And when he asked me, you want to talk so... about this for Phantom Corner, I'm like, I want to tear this to shreds at this point. I'm just so confused. Ridiculous. I. It's. It's also again concerning. It. The official page. It seems like. Did you watch the show? <laughs> like. Did you watch any of those shows? Yeah. Like. I'm so confused. I'm. I. I have to assume that there was some miscommunication here. Clearly. Like. I don't think anyone was like this kind of like tone deaf like they need to have like they need to have like you know if they don't already they need to have like some sort of like examination of the post before they post it like meanwhile like when i do my like when i for my old job i used to write for uh, the social media posts every day uh-huh. and i would have to go through at least two people before i was allowed to post things especially for articles that had to deal with like you know racial just you know rachel just not rachel justice racial justice and things like that mm-hmm. and like you know addiction and things like that i had to go through a series of like making sure that i was being sensitive about the topic which i am very glad that i did so i wouldn't pull off crap like that <laughs> you know right like, like the wording is everything and mm-hmm. you could have said best character development and it still could have applied for zuko hiroshi is you're you're reaching there but sure you could call it character development mm-hmm. but also again if you're gonna ask me who has the best redemption arc the answer is always gonna be zuko there's no yeah. there's no debate there <laughs> like no. It's just universally agreed upon. So it's like, again, it's like, what's the strongest element? Like, we're past this. Like, we're not talking about this anymore. Yeah. I'm just I'm just starting to get a little concerned that they're not in, like, they're, they seem to be a little out of touch. Yes. And I'm just like, uh, I don't understand. Anyway. anyway. <laughs> I, think, I think thoroughly exhausted this and torn apart just enough, right? We're good? Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm interested to see if they, they still have it posted up. Um, but yeah, it was up for four hours when we, when we screenshot it. So I just don't know. It was still, I think it was still available when I spoke, like before I checked it before we started the recording this episode. So yeah, yeah, I don't, they really just posted it and just like, all right, that's enough work today. (laughs) I'm going to check it again while we're here, but let's move on to recommendations. If you're, if you're ready for some recommendations, of course, (laughs) let's move on. So my recommendation, no surprise, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, I loved the show. Um, I just, it had everything that I wanted in it, apart from a specific cameo that I will not get into in this current time. Mephisto? No, not Mephisto. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I feel so bad for Marvel because they they can't like, like unironically like bring Mephisto into anything. It's going to take a while before people forget about that. Um, But no, I just, you know, I I am forever a Bucky stan. I always loved Bucky. I always thought he was a really interesting character and I got everything that I wanted to get out of this show with him apart from, you know, canon confirmation that he's bi because he is. Yeah, that too. But I, again, obviously if you're a Marvel fan, definitely watch it. Even if you're not a Marvel fan, go watch it. It's a great show. Awesome. I mean, I, I'm going to put my thoughts on Falcon Winter Soldier. The finale, there were so many good parts in that finale, you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff 
you know if you've seen the finale you know um but some things like the flag smashers were kind of like a little it could have handled that better they could have handled a certain character reveal a little better mm-hmm. um but you know i mean they had they probably should have had at least another episode of that series honestly i'm just gonna say it now i think six episodes for anything is too short mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we saw how it turned out with game of thrones Oof, that didn't even if they're well. even if they are almost an hour long you know yeah there were like 50 minutes they weren't yeah. even like an hour long fully but like six episodes i don't and even i remember kevin feige being like the sweet spot for us right now right now is six episodes i'm like oh why <laughs> do, don't do it don't do it <laughs> i also think maybe i do remember months ago that the the shooting had to stop because of COVID, and mm. then they had to they had to delay it because it was supposed to come out I think it was supposed to come out before WandaVision, actually. Yeah, because they could Or at take... least much earlier. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I don't know if they had to... Because, again, WandaVision also had to cut some things here and there to kind of make it work uh, with COVID and everything. So I think the same thing happened here. Mm. Um, and probably the same thing will happen with Loki. <sighs> um, but, yeah. It, either way, it's still a great show. Definitely check it out. Yeah. Well, I'm also recommending another superhero show, this time from the DC universe. And before you start cringing, this is actually a good one. Uh, It's called Doom Patrol, which makes me really sad that more people aren't talking about it because it's a really excellent series. Um, I mean, the season one finale, there were some parts where I was like, what the, this is it. This is what you're going to end this amazing season. But trust me, watching the rest of the episodes is fucking worth it. There's two seasons out. It's on HBO Max. It's a wonderful show. Basically, it's like DC's version of X-Men, except, uh, you know, they're led by an old British man in a wheelchair. There's that. Uh, (laughs) But basically, it's just I'm going to try to sum it up without talking too much about the characters because I love them all so much. But basically, it's like people who have been all had these really traumatizing accidents that led them to having their superhuman abilities. Mm -hmm. And also their superhuman abilities aren't always aesthetically pleasing. Uh, you know, like most time when it has like mutations, they always have some mutant that like, you know, has like they have like an attractive power almost. Well, there's like a character. There's a character who has um, I think it's like multiple personality disorder where she has like 70 something personalities or 50 something personalities. And they all have different superpowers. She doesn't often have control over any of them. There's uh, a, la- a person who has elastic powers, but when she doesn't have control of herself, she literally turns to a pile of goo. Uh, there's a guy who's literally, uh, you know, a human brain in a robot body played by Brendan Fraser, by the way. So he's Work. awesome. I love Brendan uh, Fraser. And then there's a guy who has his, like, uh, he was a fighter pilot for the U.S. military in the 50s. And he um, crashed after being possessed by this, like, negative spirit thing. And, like, he has to wear these bandages. Otherwise, the radiation from the spirit will kill everyone. And then there's a cyborg. It sounds like. <laughs> It sounds a little bit like Umbrella Academy. It yeah. It doesn't have those vibes. It's absurd as well. So it definitely has those vibes. It's definitely, um, it's it's a pretty dark show. It goes to some pretty dark places. Okay. Um, you know, there is like, there is mentions of sexual assault. So if you're, you know, if you, if that's something that triggers you. Um, Refrain. It won't, yeah. it's not too much. There is an episode called Jane Patrol where it explores a little bit of that. Thankfully, I don't show any, any of the scenes of it, but it's definitely very heavily implied. And it, mm-hmm. it actually is, it did happen. But yeah. it's, it breaks the fourth wall. The supervillain's played by Alan Tudyk and he is fantastic as a villain. Um, you know, fourth wall breaking, all that stuff. Uh, and, you know, each of the characters basically come together and form this like chosen family of misfits and outcasts and like, you know, they're kind of stuck at their jobs, but they're doing their best. OK, 
it's an <laughs> absurd show too like there's literally a like there's a character that's literally called the beard hunter who's able to like cons- he eats facial hair and is able to track to fail like track down somebody or like you know in the case of cyborg he literally is able to like predict his next move and things like that uh there's also a gender queer traveling street that basically uh helps to a sentient gender queer street danny the street who basically collects the misfits of the world and makes a safe space for them and travels to different areas of the world and it's amazing there's a there's a there's a you know a drag show there every night it's amazing um i love that and like there's literally another other character who has um like he's literally a charles atlas at walking charles atlas advertisement like he can flex a muscle and like make shit happen like it's it's so strange and the show will make you cry. It will make you attach to these characters. The character development is wonderful. They really dive deep into the psyches of each of the main characters. And oh, it's so good. And I need more people to talk about it so I can get a third season, you know? <laughs> right. Very so cool. I haven't watched season two yet. I don't know how good it is, but I love season one. So go check that out. Sorry. Awesome. Long rant. I want more people to see this. <laughs> <laughs> of course. And that's it on the recommendation side of things. If you need more Avatar Hour in your life, don't forget to subscribe to our exclusive Patreon at patreon.com slash the Avatar Hour podcast. And if you'd like to send in feedback about the show or send in submissions for Fandom Corner, you can email us at the Avatar Hour podcast at gmail.com or you can reach us on Facebook and Instagram at the Avatar Hour podcast or on Twitter at Avatar Hour. And that's it. Awesome. That's our 90 minute super special we had, lot, we had a lot to talk about. We had a lot to talk about, yes. <laughs> cool. So we are going to see you guys next week for more Avatar The Last Airbender. And we will see you guys soon. Until next time, I'm Andre. And I'm Kayla. Bye, Bye everyone. everyone. Bye. Jinx.